Hey, Phil, come back out here for a minute. Hey, Phil, what size shoe you wear? Tanya, I don't want anything to happen to Phil, but if one day, 30 years from now, something happens, make sure I get those shoes in the wheel. I like them black and white Nikes. Hey, we're going to play a game today. It's called Tell Me Your Age Without Telling Me Your Age. How many of you say growing up, the primary source of listening to music for me outside of the radio was records? Records. Records were the number one thing. Avange, let me preach. I was going to get to eight tracks. How many of you say growing up, the primary way of listening to music outside of the radio of Vaughn was what? Eight tracks. CDs. CDs. You had the big notebook in your car full of CDs. <laughs> you would flip it over. Now, like you're growing up right now, MP3s, everything is on your phone. I grew up in the day and time, you younger kids, you probably, because records are back in, so you know what records are, but I grew up in a day and time where we had tapes. I'm just going to be honest with you, I think tapes were the best. Because tapes had this amazing thing where you could make your own. Couldn't make your own records. You couldn't make your own CD. Well, I guess you could. Eventually technology got to where you could burn a CD, so that's a lie, but tapes from the beginning were just pure. Man, you could record off the radio. Remember you had your little boom box? I used to have my own radio show. I would record songs off the, the radio to tape, and I'd voice in over them, and no one would listen to it but me. But, man, it was awesome. And I was like DJ Gary, and it was incredible. And, man, we had these things back in the day, and I know there's very few of you that remember this because either you're too old and you were around when that Jeremiah was a bullfrog song or whatever it was called. Be honest, how many of you grew up with that song? Let's really age yourself. Yeah, you danced to that at prom. Man, that song was old. Sometimes I forget how old Phil is. Like he busted it out like it was like a brand new song. And, uh, but man, we had these things and they were called mixtapes. Mixtapes were the best, man. You'd go buy your tape and you put all your favorite songs on them. Or you'd, you'd put one together and, man, it had all the love songs on it. And you'd give it to your lady. Christine, go ahead and be honest. What I'd give you early on in our relationship? A mixed CD. That's what I am romantic like that. Romantic like that. Really what it was was it was our first trip together to the beach, and I didn't want to listen to her music. So I was like, you know, I'll make a CD full of songs I like, and I'm telling them they're for her, and we're just going to listen to this the whole way down. What was funny was that was one of the first things I gave you. It was one of our biggest fights, too, on the way down there. Not over the CD, but remember we fought the whole way there? Yeah, I remember because you were wrong. And, uh, like, we fought to the point, like, literally, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you down there, and I'm going to drop you off, and I'm going to come home. I'll come back and get you in a week. But that's how it was, like, that kind of fight. And, um, of course, she apologized, told me I was right, like always, and it went on good. But mixtape was awesome, man, because you would put your favorite songs on there. And you could listen to those songs over and over and over again. You didn't have to play the tape that had 10 songs from your favorite band, but you really only liked two of them. It was a mixtape. And so what we're going to do in the month of June is I'm just going to give you a mixtape, if you will, of some sermons. And this Serves several purposes. I am a series preacher. That's what I do. Every month we start a new series around here. So we might take the subject of purpose. We might take the subject of finances. We might take the subject of Samson like we just did. And for a month we break down that subject. We explore it from every angle. And that's how I teach best. It works really good on my schedule because I work outside of pastoring this church, and so it allows me to know what I'm doing and be able to focus on one thing. But occasionally, there's some one-off topics that I want to cover, and they don't fall in line with the series. And so I've got a couple of things I want to hit on throughout this series. Uh, the second reason is simply this. So many of you come to me on a regular basis, and you ask me to re-preach a sermon. 
Or some of you will come to me and say, hey, I heard about this sermon you've taught, and I'd really like to hear the meaning behind that. And I think that's awesome. I fought that for a long time, kind of acting like, man, you don't re-preach a sermon. Like, that just seems weird to me. But the reality is we replay songs all the time. We redo all kinds of stuff all the time. And preachers re-preach sermons all the time. They just put a different title on them and change the points. And it's the same sermon they've always preached. And then number three is this. And I'm just going to be as honest with you as I can and as transparent as I can with you is I love to preach. I could do this 52 weeks out of the year. But studying 52 weeks out of the year makes my brain literally turn to mush at times. It's exhausting at times. And and when I go long periods where week after week after week, I'm having to dig deep and study, I I begin to kind of lose the ability to do that. I saw a stat the other day about two months ago, and it said the average preacher in America preaches 38 weeks out of the year, 38 weeks out of 52 I added it up over the last seven years, and I averaged 47 weeks out of the year. I take about five Sundays off a year, and y'all gripe about that. Y'all complain about that. And so here's the deal. This allows me to go back, look at some old sermons, not necessarily have to dig deep. I know what I want to talk about. Put a little mix on it, mix it up a little bit, but I get to give my brain a break from studying, so it serves a lot of purpose. And today I want to talk to you on on one of my favorite subjects, and it's a sermon I've preached all over the country. I'm excited about this series. Next week, we're going to be talking about the subject of prayer, and I'm going to be talking about drawing circles around your prayers. If you've never heard that message, it's, it's one of my favorite messages. I need the reminder. And again, I don't want to do an entire series on prayer, but I want to talk about that. I'm going to talk to you next week about the, um, about Hone the circle maker, and I'm going to show you some biblical principles from that. And I'm going to talk to you about some interesting things from that. We're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks going in down to a snowy pit and chasing a lion and fighting a lion. Like, I'm excited about this series because it's rare that I have good sermons. So when I have good sermons, I hate that I only get to teach them once and then I can't ever teach them again. So it's going to be a fun series. But today we're going to be talking about one of those subjects that I'm just very passionate about. The logic is so flawed that we can't rehash sermons. The Bible says this in Isaiah 55. It says, so is my word that goes from my mouth. It will not return empty, but will accomplish what I desire. So here's the deal. We can teach the same subject every single week, and the word of God will not come back void. It will connect with us. Do you ever hear a preacher preach on something that you've read a thousand times and you actually get angry that he brings up something? I do that all the time. Christine will send me a two-second TikTok of some preacher and he uses a two-word phrase. I'm like, man, I've read that a thousand times. Why didn't I think of that? Why didn't I preach it from that angle? The Word of God is powerful. You can take the same story and preach it over and over and over and over and over. And um, it will come back and impact your life. And this is probably the most requested sermon that I preach. And the funny thing is, it's not a deep sermon. I got good news for you today. It's not a long sermon. It's just a message that resonates with people because as you read the story, it sounds so stupid that this person would do that. Yet we do it every single day. If you've got an old sermon you want me to rehash, man, bring it up to me, send me a message. I'll be glad to do that. And then in July, We're launching our Summer of Rock. It's one of the few traditions we do around here. Phil and I are talking about doing Summer of Rock this year. We do it every July where we take rock and roll songs and we talk about the biblical meaning. We're talking about doing the Southern Rock edition this year. And so excited about that. But today we're going to hang out in the book of Exodus. And we're going to look at what I find to be one of the craziest stories in all the Bible. I'm going to read a lot, so bear with me. And I'm going to go back and break it down. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh. Pharaoh was the Egyptian ruler. They had the Israelites in captivity. You see a reoccurring message when it came to the Israelites, God's chosen people. They were in captivity a lot. They were in slavery a lot. So so that kind of breaks that myth of when you decide to follow Christ, you won't go through hard times. These were God's chosen people, and yet because of their disobedience to the word of God, they ended up in the consequences of being in bondage and slave. And because of the disobedience to God's word in our lives, we end up in the bondage of sin so many times. The Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh. And say to him, so he tells Moses, go to the ruler of Egypt and say to him this. This is what the Lord says. Let my people go. 
take my people and no longer allow them to be captive anymore so that they may worship me. Then he says, if you refuse to let them go, I will send a plague of frogs on your whole country. Now that seems not not a very threatening thing at first. I'm thinking a plague of rats, a plague of snakes, a plague of venomous scorpions, but frogs, ribbit, ribbit, ribbit. Okay. I'll send a plague of frogs on your whole country. He says the Nile, the Nile River will teem with frogs. They will come up into your palace, in your bedroom, and into your bed, to the houses of your officials, and on your people, and into your ovens, and your kneading troughs. The frogs will come up to you and your people, and all your officials. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, stretch now. Aaron was kind of Moses' right-hand man. When God called Moses to go before Pharaoh, Moses did what we all do, and he came up with all the excuses on why he couldn't do it. He said, I have a speaking problem. I can't go to Pharaoh. And God said, okay, I'm going to send Aaron with you, and Aaron can speak for you. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, stretch out your hand and your staff over the streams of canals and ponds and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land. But the magicians, this was Pharaoh's people, because Pharaoh wanted to be like, I'm not impressed with what you're doing. I got people who can do the same thing. But the magicians did the same thing by their secret arts, and they also made frogs come up in the land of Egypt. So the Pharaoh's so stupid, God's punishing him, and he just doubles the punishment just to prove he can do it. You know, it's like an alcoholic being around somebody drinking and thinking, man, you think you drink? Let me show you. Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, pray to the Lord. Don't miss this. This is good. Pray to the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people, and I will let your people go sacrifices to the Lord. So he says, I can't take it anymore, and I'm going to break it down why I couldn't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. Get rid of the frogs. I've got to let the people go. I'm going to let the people go. Get rid of the frogs. Moses said to Pharaoh, I leave to you the honor of setting a time for me to pray for you and your officials and your people that you and your houses may rid, be rid of the frogs except for those that are in the Nile. So Pharaoh can't take it anymore. I want you to picture this scene with me before we get in to what's next. Let me give you a little bit of background here. Egypt has Israel as captive slaves. So the Israelite people no longer are experiencing freedom. They are under the rule of the Egyptians. Last series, they were under the rule of the Philistines, if you remember. Now they're under the rule of the Egyptians. This is actually pre-that. God has had enough. That is the amazing thing about God. No matter how much you are disobedient, no matter how much you screw up, no matter how there's consequences for your sin, there will come a time where God looks at you and says, I've had enough. It's time for you to fulfill the purpose in which I created you for. Man will look at you and hold it over your head forever and God will say, let's roll. God said, enough is enough. These are my people. I have chosen them and they will no longer be captive to the Egyptians. So he sends Moses to confront Pharaoh. Again, Pharaoh is the leader of Egypt. Moses tells the Pharaoh to let Moses tells Pharaoh to let the Israelites go, and Pharaoh refuses. So God begins the process, and there's many more after this because of the stubbornness of Pharaoh. He begins to bring about plagues onto them. The first plague was this wasn't even the first plague. This was the second plague. The first plague was he turned all the water into blood. Now imagine that. Now the river's blood. The toilet's full of blood. The water you wash your clothes with is full of blood. The water you cook with is full of blood. You can no longer function. I want you to imagine the smell that is going on. All the animals are dying. Why? Because there's not fresh water. They're swimming in blood. That's not enough for Pharaoh. Isn't it funny how sometimes there'll be consequences for our actions and our whole world is falling apart and everyone else is looking at you saying, man, wake up and you're so stubborn. Hello, Gary Lamb, the king of that. And you're like, man, I'm just going to keep on doing what I'm doing. All the water's blood, but I got this. God comes to him a second time. The Egyptians now cannot drink anything. There's no water. They cannot bathe. Their livestock is dying because there's no fresh water. It's a mess. But Pharaoh refuses to listen, and God comes to him and tells, him, tells Moses to go to Pharaoh again and tell him he's going to bring about a plague of frogs. I did some research on frogs. I thought frogs were cute little things that if they peed on you, you got a ward, but if you kissed them, they turned into princes. That is not true. 
Some of you ladies know that. You've kissed a lot of frogs out there trying to find a prince. Mm. You thought you could fix him. Are we getting too close to home right now? You thought you could change him. You ignore all the red flags. Because you thought that frog was going to be a prince. But frogs, man, as I researched them, I found out frogs are dirty animals. Did you know that everywhere frogs go, you might not even see it, but if you had a microscope or a magnifying glass, they actually leave a trail of slime everywhere they go. Did you know that they say frogs are some of the stinkiest animals there are? Like if you have a pet frog, over time, very quickly, the thing that you keep the frog in will have such a putrid smell if you're not always cleaning it up. Hmm. Again, I get the fairy tales, catch a frog, kiss a frog, it turns into a prince, that doesn't happen. I haven't even mentioned the god-awful sound that a frog makes. You ever had a frog in your house and you can't find it? And you'll stay up all night trying to find that frog. And I don't know what it is about the sound that a frog makes because it can be hidden behind the refrigerator in the kitchen and it sounds like it's coming from the basement. So you ain't even on its trail. I love when everybody's like, I love living in the country and hearing the frogs. That's because you don't live in the country having to hear the frogs every night. It's cute for one night. It's an annoying sound. It's a horrible sound sound. It's actually one of the most irritating sounds there are. It only comes normally from one frog. So now imagine the entire land is covered in frogs. I mean, frogs are everywhere. You can't walk without stepping on frogs. So now not only do you have live frogs, you have dead frogs everywhere, squished, turned into slime. You ain't rocking the kicks like Phil is. You're rocking sandals, and now it's all between your toes. It's on your feet. You can't walk without. I mean, you go into the house, and there's frogs, and they're jumping everywhere. They're making that noise. You can't sleep at night. Man, can you imagine just how bad the land around there just smells now? I mean, the river is no longer water. It's blood. And now there's nasty slimy, disgusting frogs everywhere. I mean, you and the wife have had a long day. Y'all been throwing that heat at each other all day. You think, man, I'm frustrated. This is frustrating. I'm irritated. The only thing that is going to take care of this is some brown chicken, brown cow. So I'm going to deal with my frustration when I get in the bed and you pull back the covers and there's nothing but frogs in the bed. You talk about mood killer. You get up in the morning because you've got all the frogs out of the bed. You wake up in there when you just look at your wife and say, could you just make some breakfast? Or maybe she looks at you and says, could you just make some breakfast? You go down there and you open up the oven and frogs are jumping out of the oven. 24-7, you hear the noise. If I mention the noise that frogs make, not only are the rivers filled with blood, so that when the frogs get in there, they begin to drown. But they're just dying everywhere because they're literally smothering each other and they're beginning to mound up. You can't go anywhere without frogs. The kids are, are making frog pies instead of mud pies. Millions and millions of frogs are everywhere. I mean, I've always heard, don't let a frog pee on you because you'll get a wart, and now you're literally swimming in frog pee. In my mind, it doesn't get much worse than that. That would be rock bottom. In my mind, I would do whatever it is that I could do to remedy the situation. God comes along, and he says, all you got to do is let the people go, Pharaoh says, I've had enough. Even Pharaoh says, man, enough is enough with the frogs. We've been there. 
Enough is enough with the drinking. Enough is enough with the not taking care of myself physically. Enough is enough with no longer living the purpose I was created for. Enough is enough with getting up every day and being in a relationship that I can't stand. Enough is enough of going to a job that I hate, building someone else's dream. Every single one of us has been where Pharaoh was. We got to the point where we acknowledge enough is enough. Pharaoh says, no more. I'm done. I'll let the people go get rid of the frogs. And Moses says, tell me when. Tell me when you no longer want to feel like crap in the morning from drinking. Tell me when you no longer want to be able to not sleep at night because you've ate so bad and your health is so horrible. Tell me when you no longer want to go to that job you hate and doesn't leave you with any fulfillment. Tell me when you no longer want to be in those friendships that do nothing but create drama for you. Hello. Hello. Tell me when, I don't know about you, but I like to think that when I got to that point in my life where I acknowledge where I am at, I'd be like, right now, let's make a change. I'm done. Today, let's do it. We're so guilty of this, man. We're so guilty of it. We're so guilty of doing just what Pharaoh is. You would think Pharaoh immediately would have said, let them go. Because when I let them go, the frogs are gone. So Moses says, hey, when would you like for me to get rid of the frogs? Exodus 8.10, Pharaoh said, tomorrow. I understand that. Tomorrow, I just want one more night with the frogs. I just want one more night hearing that sound. I want one more night smelling that smell. I want one more night not being able to walk without frogs being everywhere. I just want one more night of dead frogs mounding up. I just want one more night of the river filled with blood. I want one more night of not having clean drinking water. Just one more night. Hey, Moses, man, golly, you win. This is horrible. I'm at the end of my rope. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Just 24 more hours. Tomorrow. I I don't know about you, but when I read this verse, I think it's the craziest freaking verse in the Bible. The first time I read this verse, I didn't understand it. I'm not a very smart man. I am not the most theologically sound person you will ever meet. And I cannot break the Bible down like a lot of people can. But I can read the Bible and see the simplicity in God's word. And I remember the first time I read this, and Moses asked when, and he said tomorrow. It just seemed weird to me. I mean, you got dirty, nasty, Stinky, funky frogs piling up everywhere. Literally decaying in front of you. You can't function because of the frogs. You can't sleep because of the frogs. You can't move around town because of the frogs. You can't tend to the livestock because of the frogs. The frogs are literally controlling your life, and the answer is, when do you want them gone? And they could have been gone instantly. And he says, tomorrow. I don't get what he was thinking here. Who wants one more night with the frogs? I mean, let's just be honest. I know it's church, and it's hard to be honest in church. But how many of you think that just seems a little bit crazy that you want one more night with the frogs? One more night. Gary, what's the big deal? It's huge. One more night of no sleep. It's one more night of no healthy food. It's one more night of not being able to function. 
Who looks out and says, I want one more night of literally living hell? Tomorrow. How many of you say, Gary, it seems like a crazy thing to say? How many say, Gary, I don't understand it? Yet we do it every single day. Every single day. We all have that thing in our life that we know we need to get victory over. But we say tomorrow. We know we all have that stumbling block that we need victory over. But instead of dealing with it today, we say tomorrow. We all have that one thing that is controlling our life and we say tomorrow. We hate it, but something in us loves it enough that we want one more night with the frogs. I don't know what your frog is today, but I know that we're guilty of it. How many times, because I'm going to preach to myself today. How many times on Wednesday or Thursday, do not amen, Christine. And I'm like, I am tired of going to bed every night with heartburn. I'm tired of waking up because I roll over and my stomach is in the way. I'm tired of how I feel physically. I'm going to start eating right I don't know why I think this is magical on Monday. Five more days, and here's what I'm going to do for the next five days. I'm going to eat worse than I was eating because I only got five days to do it. I'm going to get my finances in order. If we're going to spend any money, it better be the next three days because I'm telling you what, June 1st, July 1st, August 1st, on Monday... We tighten in the belt financially. Now, for the next three days, I'm going to go spend money I don't have to buy things I don't need to impress people I don't like to get deeper in debt where I got a deeper hole to dig out of Monday. But for the next three days, for the three days, we want a budget. Starting Monday, I'm going to get up at 530. I'm going to be at the gym at 6. Christine, how often do I say that every, every week? I say it every week to the point now, Christine's like, I know you didn't just set that alarm for 5.30 because it ain't going off at 5.30 for you not to get up. She goes, you get up, it can go up, but I don't want it to get up. You turn it off and get back in bed because now I'm woke up and I didn't say I was getting up at 5.30 because I got no problem going to the gym. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Man, I know this drink has destroyed my life. I have lost my children over drinking. I have lost my career over drinking. I have lost my finances over drinking. I'm going to buy one last fifth, and when it's done, I'm a new person tomorrow. I don't know what your frog is today. My wife and I can't have a great sexual relationship because I'm so busy clicking and looking at porn on my phone that I have a disillusioned what thing or idea of what sex should be. I'm going to quit looking at it tomorrow. One more time. Just one more time. Let me tell you the thing that people will always amen. They'll amen you when you talk about drugs. They'll amen you when you talk about food. They'll amen you when you talk, even talk about money. People get funny when you talk about money in church. You ever want to get the crowd silent, you talk about porn. Because ain't nobody going to amen because everybody's going to be like, oh, you got a porn problem. Like it's uncommon that a dude would want to see naked women. Problem is, you're looking at it. You can't even have sex with your own wife because it don't live up to what you saw there. Anybody listen to the Joe Rogan podcast? I love the Joe Rogan podcast. I'm about to cross a line I should never cross. I'm about to be super inappropriate, and if your kids are in here, they should have been next door in the kids' area, so it's on you. 
I'll never forget when Jake the Snake Roberts, anybody remember Jake the Snake Roberts? Jake the Snake. And Jake the Snake had some demons, and I liked it when Jake the Snake was on the Joe Rogan podcast. He talked about getting sober. He talked about getting clean. And, and he made a statement. He got really quiet, and he got kind of heartbroken. And he said, man, I just want to find someone to grow old with, someone that I can do life with. And Joe made a comment back to him. He said, I'm sure, man, I get it. I mean, we, we as men have physical needs. So, so Jake's talking about an emotional connection. Joe started talking about a physical connection. Here's where I'm going to get inappropriate. Because he wasn't trying to be funny. That was the funny thing about it, is he wasn't trying to be funny. He was serious. He said, I can never have a normal sex life again. That doesn't interest me. He said, after you've seen the things that I've seen, I won't go into the details of what he said. He went into details talking about donkeys and all kinds of stuff. He was crazy back in the day. He said, I can never have a normal sex life again, so I don't even try. I just want emotional connection with someone. Should have been something special, but he had messed it all up in his head, looking at stuff he shouldn't have been looking at. Instead of breaking free, it was one more night. It could be your, your bad temper is your frog. How many of you, don't even raise your hands, but how many of you have ruined relationships over your temper? And you know you need to get it under control, and you know it's destroying everything around you and all your relationships, but you're, you'll, you'll, you'll start going to counseling tomorrow. You can't afford, that's my favorite thing, that's my favorite. You can't afford counseling. But you can afford cigarettes. You can afford to go out to eat when you want to go out to eat. You can afford that truck payment. And you can afford to go to the bar on Friday. And you can afford all the things that normal people have, like Netflix and Amazon. That's funny, the other day I was thinking about we got rid of cable because it was too expensive. And now we have like 3,300 streaming networks. And I think if I added it all up, it's more than cable. I can afford those, but you can't afford accounts. No, the bottom line is it's not that you can't afford it. You just ain't want to do it because you might get confronted with your frog. So you'd rather your temper, and here's the problem, you're going to try to overcome it on your own and you're not going to be able to. Short term, you might be able to. You might white knuckle it for a while, but you'll get to it tomorrow. Hey, some of you are in a relationship that is your frog. You're in an unhealthy relationship. And let me make this clear. Relationship doesn't always mean husband and wife. And that's not my way of saying it means man and man or woman and woman. It could be a relationship that is a friendship that is unhealthy. They bring no value to your life. I, I always think the stupidest thing I've ever heard is, well, they've been my friend forever. They brought drama to your life forever. When did tenure override health? You know they bring nothing to the table. Matter of fact, dare I say some of your friendships are toxic for you. But you're not willing to end them just one more day. Some of you gossip. I want to do it. I need to do an entire series on gossip. Because I'm going to tell you, I love this church. And I tell you, we don't deal with a lot of stuff other churches deal with, and I love that about this church. But boy, y'all love to gossip. Love it. I like it too. I ain't going to lie to you. But gossip is your frog because you want to gossip about other people where you don't got to analyze their own thing in your life. Mm. Some of you, your job is your frog. You hate what you do with your life. But you're in the trap now. You know that you have a vision to do something different, but you don't have the testicular fortitude to step out and do it. So you get up every day and you live for the weekends. Let me tell you something. If you're living for the weekends, you're doing it wrong. You were not created 
to work your life away and live for the weekend. I have as much fun on Monday as I do Saturday. That doesn't mean I don't work. I don't live for the weekend. The weekends mean nothing to me. They're just another day. Stepping out. Some of you snort your frog. Some of you pop your frog. Boy, that is the suburban frog. You don't shoot it up. You don't smoke it. Your doctors prescribed it. So it's okay. So you anti-medicine, Gary? Not at all. But some of you can't even function in society without that shiny little pill. And it's now your frog. Some of you smoke your frog. Some of you sleep with your frog. Some of you, the emotional thing in your head is your frog. And I don't know what your frog is today, but here's what I know. You know what it is. You know that you're living life less than God called you to be. You know you're living life outside of God's blessings. You know you're living life missing out on... You know what the most amazing thing in the world is life? That you get to get up every freaking morning is incredible. God, I love life. I love it. When life sucks, I love it. When life's good, I love it. When life's bad, I love it. And some of you are wasting your life. And I'm not trying to hurt your feelings today. But there's no bigger loser mentality than to waste life. But Gary, you don't know. Cry me a river. You've had it bad. There ain't a person in this room who ain't had it bad. There ain't a person in this room who hasn't went through hard times. There isn't a person in this room who hasn't struggled. There isn't a person in this room who hasn't made bad choices. There isn't a person in this room who at one time or another hasn't lost it all. That don't make you special. It makes you normal. Some of y'all read into what I was saying last week when I told you I'm 47 and I'm going to screw up more. Are you fixing to screw up? I don't know. I don't know my agenda. But I plan on living to about 115. I don't want... There's some kryptonite. I ain't dying. I should go get hit by a car today. My point is, I'm probably going to screw up again. I'm probably going to get in moods from time to time. Don't say anything on the front row. That's just life. Nobody just gets to climb and climb and climb and climb and climb. No matter, even if it's the tallest mountain in the world, eventually you hit the top and there ain't nowhere to go but down. Now, the beautiful thing about hitting rock bottom is there ain't nowhere to go but up. That's just life. So you're not special because you had some crap happen to you. But let go of those frogs and get to living. It'll be a cold day in hell before I allow my circumstances to dictate my life. I'm going to pick on my wife right now, and I know she's going to get mad at me, and I'm going to have to deal with this later. That's okay. It is very rare that my wife does this, so let me preface that. But my wife every now and then will do what every woman here has done. I mean, if something happened to me, you'd be out whoring around in three days. You wouldn't care. First of all, why are we talking about something happening to you? And if I had to leave, blah, 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 blah. But let me make this clear. I don't want anything to happen to my wife. I, I, I cannot emphasize that I don't want anything to happen to my wife. 
But God forbid she wakes up tomorrow morning, looks at me and says, I'm out, I'm gone. It's going to suck. Y'all going to have to hear me whine every Sunday for a while. I'm going to fall apart, probably not shave for a while. I probably will actually lose weight for once and I don't know how to cook. But eventually, I'm, I'm going to move on. I'm going to continue to live my life. Because I'm not going to let something that happens at 47 define me, just as she would. I'm not saying again, don't read into that. I'm just trying to emphasize that the circumstances in your life don't dictate the rest of your life. And some of you got a frog that happened to you 20 years ago, and you can't move on. Some of you can't live in the present because you're living with a frog in the past. Anybody seen that Jelly Roll documentary on Hulu? And just for you know, that's not a little Debbie for those of you who don't know current music. Jelly Roll is a singer. It's an interesting documentary. Jelly Roll is this former, for those of you, quick synopsis real quick. Um, former drug dealer, in and out of jail. I think he said he was in jail 40 times in the documentary. Married a high-end prostitute. Her name's Bunny. And um, it's funny because everyone says Bunny's a gold digger because Jelly Roll's about 450. And I like in the documentary, he said, I am. she wasn't a gold digger. I was the gold digger. I was slinging drugs with no money. She's a high-end prostitute. Had all kinds of money when we met. But he strung out. He got his life back together. And he's one of the, pretty amazing. He's probably one of the fastest rising music stars ever. Like, I mean, he went from nothing to something pretty quickly. And... Um, but it's telling, he's sitting in this chair, and they're interviewing him. And you can tell it's a struggle. He's a crier. I mean, he's crying all the time. You can tell he's truly grateful for where he's at in life. And they asked him a question. They said, how do you enjoy the moments? And he said, I have a hard time enjoying the moments because I can't let go of the past. He can't let go of the hurt he caused other people in the past. And it was funny, at that moment in the documentary, my heart broke for him. Because here's a guy who at this time in life has everything. His wife seems to love him. He seems to love her. He has his child around, his child's, I'm not going to get into his child's mom is clean now. They seem to have a good relationship. In, in the documentary, it leads up to him playing the Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, his hometown, and it's sold out. He's high on top of the world right now. Yet he says, I struggle to enjoy it because I can't let go of the past. He can't let go of those frogs. The frogs beat him up still. He, he can't look forward because he's still looking in the past. And so for some of you, your past is your frog. Ain't it funny you can forgive others? You know God forgives you, but you can't forgive yourself. Mm. That'd be a good sermon right there, how to forgive yourself. When I figure it out, I'll preach it for you. <laughs> I don't know what your frog is today. But I know it's keeping you from being what God wants you to be. I don't know what your frog is, but here's the reality you do. Instead of dealing with it today, you keep saying tomorrow. Instead of dealing with the day, you say, I'll deal with it on Monday. Instead of dealing with it, you say, I'll deal with it. I, I think it's funny. I'm going to do this when I get all this in order. You're never going to get all this in order. Remember when you first got married and you said, we'll have kids when we can afford them? Boy, that was a lie, wasn't it? Can't ever afford them brats. Ever. Ever. The reality is you're missing out on God's blessings. You're missing out on a life of victory because you're like Pharaoh, who when you see it in Pharaoh, you laugh at him, but you want one more night with the frogs. Talking to a guy recently, he was asking me questions about the church. He'd heard some things about the church, and he felt like because of the things he had heard, he'd be welcomed at this church. I said, of course you'd be welcomed. He said, but you don't know about blah, 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 blah. I said, yeah, I'm not impressed with blah, 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 blah. Who cares? 
I said, the preacher's wife's worse than you. I said, you're fine. I said, you ought to come check it out one Sunday. Yeah, I know. I know that's missing in my life. He said, but I'm not ready yet. So you know what's missing in your life, but you're not ready yet. Wife just left him, just went bankrupt. Kids hate him, (laughs) but he's not ready yet. He wants one more night with the frogs. He wants one more night wallowing in his self-pity of weakness. One more night of feeling sorry for himself. One more night of trying to mask the hurt in his life with whatever it is he's trying to fill it with. One more night in the relationship he shouldn't be in because he's, he'd rather have a bad relationship than the fear of being alone. But there's a problem with one more night with the frogs. First thing is this, the frogs may not leave tomorrow. There will come a point in your hurt habit and hang-up where they have such a control on you that it's almost impossible to walk away from them. How many of you at one time smoked and quit smoking? Quit smoking. How many of you smoke now and try to quit smoking? I quit smoking so many times when I used to smoke. Staying quit was hard. Like, you know, you drive down the road and you throw the whole pack of cigarettes out the truck and you're done, and then you go back to the side of the road to find the pack of cigarettes on the road, you know? I've done that. It comes a point where, man, it gets so hard you can't do it. You can always do it. Let me rephrase that. It comes a point that the addiction or the hurt, the habit, the hang-up has such a control on your life that while you thought you would leave tomorrow, you can't. As Jesus marked, this is a story about Jesus in Mark 10. It says, Jesus started on his way. A man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father. He's going down the commandments. Teacher, he declared, all these things I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him, and I like this. Jesus looked at him and loved him. I had someone ask me recently, said, man, how do you talk to people the way you talk to them and them still love you? Because Jesus looked at him and loved him. When you love somebody, you can speak truth into their life. And they might not like what you have to say, but they'll hear it. I don't need to be nice to speak love to you. If speaking nice to you would change your life, your life would already be changed. But bet your ass when I come to you and I'm hard on you, it's because I love you. Jesus looked at him and loved him and said, one thing you lack. He said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. This man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. This young man wanted to know how to be saved, but he couldn't take his eyes off his possessions. Doesn't mean it's a certain thing to follow Christ, but this man's possessions were his God. So his possessions were over God, and God said, get rid of those and come follow me. So he walked away. And then guess what happened? Tomorrow, when he woke up, the frogs were still there. When he woke up the next day, he was still knowing something was missing in his life. He had his possessions. But he knew that purpose was not there. That calling was not there. The misery was still there. The sorry was still there. The unhappiness was still there. The emptiness was still there. The frogs were still there. Just because you wait till tomorrow doesn't mean the frogs always go away. We are famous for what we are going to do tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'm going to get organized at my job. Tomorrow, I'm going to do these things I know I need to do to make my business successful. But today, I'm going to scroll Facebook a little bit more. Tomorrow, I'm going to come in and be focused. Oh, crap, TikTok rabbit trail. 
Man, distractions will keep us from living the life we were called, and then tomorrow comes, and we're deeper in the pit than we ever were. I learned a long time ago that when the Holy Spirit of God is knocking on your heart, you better respond. The Bible says, do not miss this, the Bible says we can quench the Spirit. You all start getting real worried when that conviction you have about change starts to go away. When it becomes easier for you to keep doing what you've been doing without the guilt or the conviction or the prodding to be better, you've quenched the spirit in your life. You've hardened your heart to the move of God. Tomorrow comes and something worse happens, and here's what happens. You always get worse. You think anybody on my 600-pound life decided to start being 600 pounds? You think they ate that first pizza and was like, this is what I'm going to do? You think any junkie who's living in a crack house shooting up said, man, this is what I want for my life? You think any alcoholic said, man, man, my goal in life is to be an alcoholic. I am going to take this first sip and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to destroy my life drinking. No. The Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. Here's the deal. Let me go ahead and tell you something about sin. Sin's fun. You won't hear a lot of preachers say that. But the Bible says it. There's pleasure in sin for a sin. If it wasn't fun, we wouldn't do it. There's something amazing that happens to my body when I take a spoon. And I open that freezer. And Ben and Jerry's half-baked is right there. And I pull the lid off, and a little bit of it's stuck to the lid. And I lick the lid. Don't be getting all turned on. I'm, there ain't nothing sexy about it. And then I stick that spoon in there, and it touches my lips, and calmness comes over me. And if I'm not careful... We used to buy those little Ben and Jerry's and they would get me through three servings, three nights. And then suddenly, they got me through two nights. And then suddenly, I remember one time Christine's sitting on the couch. I, I remember in our new home, well, I guess not new anymore, home we live in now. And she said, hey, will you take my ice cream to the freezer? No, she said, can I take, I'm going to put my ice cream back in the freezer, can I take yours? And I said, uh-huh. My knees to go in the trash is empty. She said, you ate all that ice cream? Mm-hmm. I remember what, it was just a long day. I just needed it tonight. I know I'm laughing because we're talking about ice cream. And then the next night I was like, hey, on the way home, you want to swing by Target and get some of that ice cream? And then I got to the point where, hey, I need some new pants. Chris was like, oh, those pants wore out? No, they, won't, they just won't button. I didn't set out to pants not to button. Just got that ice cream. One more day. We do it with everything. It's funny. Like some of you can't even have a relationship with your children because of alcohol, yet you still don't think you have a problem. That's how stupid you are. You've lost everything. Nobody wants to have a friendship with you because of your temper anymore. And it started a couple of times with you getting angry. But now it's tomorrow and the frogs have not left. Now everything makes you hot. Everything makes you angry. People just look at you and say, man, that person's miserable. The frogs may not leave tomorrow. This guy said, what do I got to do? And Mark, he said, what do I got to do to be saved? He said, man, you got to put me first. And the guy knew he couldn't do that, so he woke up the next day and the feeling became worse and worse and worse. So the frogs may not lead to more than, God forbid, something else happens. Something worse than the frogs may come. Something worse than the frogs may come. 
The frogs in our story were just a starting point. Remember when I told you that's going to be short? God, I lied to you. Listen, the frogs were just a starting point. They were small compared to what was coming. That one more night with the frogs caused Pharaoh pain and heartache like he never knew. Because here's the deal. After the frogs, you know what came? Lice. Listen, that's one of the things you brag about. How many of you parents ever had to get lice out of your kids' hair? Ooh, man. Horrible. Lice came. Flies came. So now the blood in the water. Now there's frogs everywhere. Now there's lice everywhere. Now there's flies everywhere. Then locusts came. Then boils on their skin. Then fire. Then everything began to burn up. Then darkness came. Don't miss this. And the last plague was the death of every firstborn son, including Pharaoh's. All because he said tomorrow. Tomorrow came and he didn't get rid of them. Tomorrow came and he didn't let the people go. Tomorrow came, he had a night to sleep on it, and he became comfortable in his discomfort, and worse things came. The longer you reside in your sin... The longer you reside in your lack of purpose, the longer you stay in that relationship you're not supposed to be in, the longer you stay with your hurts, your habits, your hang-up, controlling your life, the longer you stay broke, busted, and disgusted, the more comfortable you become in that situation. How many of you been in a bad relationship before? You look back on it now and you're thinking, what was I thinking? How many of you been there? Yeah, you weren't thinking about the moment. You're just trying to survive the day. It became normal for you. Something worse than the frogs come. The Bible says in Isaiah 2, 11, the eyes of the arrogant will be humbled and human pride brought low. Like I said, I've never met anybody who woke up one day and said they're going to ruin their life. But the longer we wallow in going through the motions, the longer we wallow living life best are less than what God told us to be, the more we become comfortable in that. The more it becomes normal to us. The more we live life as a victim, the less likely we are to live it as a victor. Because victim mentality is a disease that will spread and control you like nothing you've ever had in your life. Listen to me. We talked about this during Samson, remember? You don't ruin your life in one day. How do you ruin it? Hmm. One step at a time. I can give you proof after proof. Every porn addict I know. Now it's easier. But my generation, we didn't have porn on our phone. You know where we had porn? Every kid, every kid. I'm the same way. Every kid. I was walking through the woods. I've told this story before. Remember the big, cheesy plastic Christmas ornaments? Remember they had the big candles and everybody would set them out in the front porch and it was a big, cheesy candle? I found one in the woods. I should have known that was weird to be out in the woods. What was that thing doing out in the woods? I flipped it over in the bottom of it was gutted. It was full of Playboy magazines. Looked at those Playboy magazines and Be more concerned if I looked at the magazines and didn't like what I saw. Every alcoholic will tell you it started with just a few beers hanging out with the buddies. <laughs> Every person I know who's lost stuff because of gambling. And the more and more I'm around people, the more I realize what a huge issue gambling is in our society. I know people that are literally losing everything over it. Started with just joking around and placing a couple of bets, and you get that taste of winning. Even though we know the house always wins, we'll deal with it tomorrow. You knew it was getting out of hand, but you just needed one more night with the frogs. So here's the deal. The frogs may not leave tomorrow. Something worse than the frogs may come, but here's the worst part. And I'm done. Tomorrow may never come. 
You're not promised another day. You're not promised another second. Anybody ever had their life flash before their eyes? Three nights ago, I'm in a bubble bath. Had that sucker full of Epsom salt, bubbles, had some candles lit. Me and I are keeping it real now. And I felt it. I felt it. I'd been in there about an hour and a half. I, like, like, I ain't going to lie to you. Like, that's how much I stay in a bath. It burns my skin. Like, it's all burned up here. I have issues. One more night with the frogs, I guess. And I felt it in my pinky toe. It shot out. Like, literally, I leaned up and pushed my pinky toe back down, and I bent it. And then all five of my toes went, and I began to wiggle them. And then that cramp, that Charlie horse cramp hit my calf. And I reached up to grab it, and the other one cramped up. I swear to God, both my legs are cramping. My head goes under the water. <laughs> Christine's literally on the other side of the door, phone closed. I can't even holler out to her. And I'm like, literally, I'm thinking, I'm going to drown in this bubble bath. I can't stand up because my legs are cramping. So like a fat seal, I flop out of the bathtub. She has no idea any of this is going on. Like, I'm not even exaggerating this story. I grab the counter. I am out of shape. I cannot do one pull-up, and I pull myself up. Now, I've been in this blazing hot water for an hour and a half, so I stand up, and all of a sudden, I'm seeing purple dots everywhere. I'm cramping in my legs. I'm trying with everything that is in me to get the sink on, to splash water in my naked face, and I can't get it up. I'm trying to get the water up to me. I can't even call out to Christine. I'm in such pain. I'm pouring sweat all over hour and a half bath, I'm cramping in both legs. I stretch out my legs. I'm like, this is going to go away. If I'm lying, I'm dying. I'm telling you almost 10 minutes later, I'm still standing, I'm shaking. Suddenly she opens the door to come in her hand and goes, what are you doing? (laughs) She don't know it's been going on for 15 minutes. She starts lecturing me about the hot bath. If you weren't in a hot bath, I'm like, shut the F up and help me. Yell at me in a few minutes. I get out naked and there's nothing sexy about that. I need you to rub my legs. Not sexually, get rid of the cramps. I thought I was going to die. Here's the point of that story. Do you think when I went and sat in that bathtub, I thought I was going to die that night? No. I thought to myself, my daughter is downstairs sitting on the couch with some boy watching TV, and I don't want to be down there with him because I don't like him, even though he's a good boy. I don't like him because he's a boy. I don't want to watch their little stupid teenage show. And then I'm not going to lie, I'm going to confess this right here in front of her. I knew if I went upstairs and didn't take a bath, she was going to be like, hey, you want to help me fold these clothes? I didn't want to help fold clothes. So I took a bath, simple bath. Epsom salt, bubbles, candles, watching TikTok, and almost died. I finally get calmed down enough to go to bed. Christine, how was that night? Mm-hmm. Every 15 minutes, my leg was cramping up. I'm whining, screaming. Apparently, I don't remember this. Apparently, she totally shut up. And then I start mocking her in my sleep. I shut up. I don't remember that because I was so delusional from almost dying. So that went over like screen doors on a submarine. Been mad ever since. Point is, tomorrow may never come. James 4.14 says, well, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're but a mist that peers for a little while and then vanishes. If they were to write this in a modern language, it would say, you're but a vape. You've seen a vape come out and just disappears. The Bible says in Proverbs 27, 1, do not boast about tomorrow if you do not know what a day may bring. My point is this. Some of you are not promised tomorrow. 
Some of you are not promised a week. Some of you are not promised the next year. I don't want my last breath being a victim. I don't want my last breath knowing that something consumed my life and I couldn't get victory over it. I want to get victory today because I'm not promised tomorrow. I'd like to tell you I've learned from that, but I'm probably going to take a bath today. Shut up, Jerry. So I ain't promised tomorrow. One more night with the frogs. What's the frog you need to get rid of? You know what it is. Take care of it today and not tomorrow. Tomorrow. 